I can't wait to share this interview with you with Janet Hitchin, who is a world-leading internal communications consultant who's worked and advised leaders at the likes of Apple and Nespresso. And in today's interview, what we're going to be covering is why starting with how is getting hybrid back to front. We're going to look at the energy with which we make decisions, whether it's control and fear or whether it's empowerment. We'll look at how to create a genuine level playing field, how to make sure everybody feels their voice has been heard and how to communicate the decisions that we're making on hybrid working in ways that inspire people to thrive and feel like they belong rather than getting them searching the job hunting websites. So this is for you, whether you're in internal communications or whether you're leading or advising a team or a manager on how to communicate hybrid working decisions and how to make those decisions in a way that put people first, but without compromising on results. The Soul Led Leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts, not just their heads, but they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way. Where others stress about the status quo, you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your DNA. The Soul Led Leader podcast is here to help. Led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author and international speaker, each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you'd put in your own way so that you can step up showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence and passion. I want to introduce Janet. I know some of you joining us today know Janet already, but Janet's career as an internal communications and culture consultant has seen her advising leaders from companies as diverse as Apple and Nespresso. And she's a trusted guide in creating that best in class communication strategy. She's known as a rebel woman, and she asks the questions that create breakthroughs whilst getting everybody on board. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking to you about today. So hello and welcome, Janet. That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? <laughs> and I think we're going to do that and more today. So <laughs> what we want to start with today is looking really at the process of how do we create the hybrid environment? What is the culture that we need to create and how do we get people on board? And Janet, I want to start with a real bugbear of mine that I know that you've got some <laughs> real great stuff to say is everybody with hybrid seems to be starting with how. The mechanics, how many days a week, how far distance to the desks, what do we do about how to make this work? And starting with how is getting hybrid back to front. I'd love to hear your take on the question we should be asking ourselves instead. Why? Everything starts with the why. Simon Sinek said it best, and we seem to have forgotten that. And it's really, really interesting. This is a whole new challenge. Nobody's done it before. It's brand new. And yet everyone seems to have thrown out all of the best practice and jumped to the to the how because that's the bit that they're all a little bit really concerned and worried and, and anxious about. But actually, that's not the bit that the employee cares about first and foremost. The employee cares about the why. Uh-huh. So I think, yeah, we can get to the how. We can get to the how far is my desk away and do I have a one-way system and all that sort of, you know, fun stuff. But we can also... Um, Sorry, somebody's just tried to call me. Uh, Typical, isn't it? Something starts and someone calls you. So I think it's why. I think we need to get that straight. And what we need to do is, um, from an internal communication standpoint, go back to the basics. Write the brief. 
understand the problem you're trying to solve and sit in that problem for a little bit. So understand this from the employee perspective. How are they feeling? And this is where I think we always talk in internal comms about no, do, feel. Sometimes we talk about say, we talk a lot about align. But here I think the biggest thing is feel. Because that we've all been through a chaotic 18 months. We've been through a really crazy 18 months. And everybody's feeling different. Everybody has a different sense of where they're at. So I think unless we understand that feeling and we understand how that communication is going to affect us and affect the people that we're communicating to, we're doing our, the employees a real disservice. And I think the other thing is employee insights. So as, as part of that briefing process, you might think, oh, well, we don't have, you know, we only have formal um, employee surveys. OK, fine. You've got an employee survey. But what informal information do you have? Have you been running town hall meetings where you have Q&As every month, every week? Have you got um, coffee chats with your CEO where people are asking specific questions? What questions are they asking? This is about temperature checking and understanding how people are feeling right now, because where they were at the employee survey that might be once a year is probably not where they are right now with the information that's happening. So I think it's making sure you have really good, solid insights. And if you don't have those insights, go find them. Like, don't think, oh, well, we've got the how, we've got to get out there quickly. No, you don't. Mm. It's more important to get it right first time, because if you don't get it right first time, you're going to spend a long time working your way back to then work your way back down the way that you, to work the, in the right way. So don't create more work for yourself. Do it right first time. And, you know, how do you find those employee insights? One second, someone's just decided to come into the house. Interesting. <laughs> and while Janet's just having to deal with that, this builds a lot on the work that I do. I, so I work a lot with people on imposter syndrome. And it's the power of the word because. When we can use the word because when we're asking somebody to do something, it's much easier for them to feel like they've actually bought in. You know, so if we've got leaders saying, we need you to come back into the office for this many days a week because... It removes the fear. It gives people a reason. It helps them to feel like they've in some way been involved and it gives them that sense of connection with the decision. One of the other things that I know that you've got some great views on, Janet, is yeah, sorry so, that. Okay, <laughs> so, how so many of these decisions are being made from a place of control and fear. Maybe you could talk about that a bit. I think it's really interesting. We're doing a lot of reading um, and reading of articles that I'm not seeing other people posting on LinkedIn. So I'm seeing a lot of stuff, the same stuff that's getting churned. But I kind of go towards, and yes, it's more American, but um, I think it's really interesting because I think it's still very relevant for, for us here. Um, and a lot of people work for American companies. So it's kind of, you know, it's important to get, you know, a full spectrum. And so I've been looking at things like The New Yorker, and I've been looking at um, Inc and Wired and Fast Company. Um, and actually, even today, I looked at something for, on the Atlantic. And I think what's really, really interesting is the word that is now starting to be used is gaslighting, which is really quite, quite a big word and not a word that we've heard before in a corporate or in a sort of a business environment. It's more the word that we've heard, you know, when your ex-boyfriend disappears you or, you know, something, <laughs> something like that. It's more that kind of thing that we've heard. 
this is really interesting and it's about the use of language and I think um, you and I were talking um, just before this um, Claire about how what's happening is people have been talking and, and, and using terms that sort of say we know that you want to come back to the office we know you've missed the office do you? If you haven't done any of that employee insight work, if you haven't understood the why, and then you're telling me how I feel, yes, I do feel gaslighted. And that, or gaslit, I don't know, is that the right word? Um, and that's not okay. That's only going to compound people's anxiety. That's going to compound people's, pro- the, the challenge that you have and make that even bigger. I think, where are some of those um, pieces coming from? At the beginning of lockdown one, Um, I posted a piece um, about remote working because I've been remote working for ages, a long, long time with remote teams internationally, having a team who was all around the world. So we we weren't in one place at one time. And it was really interesting because somebody um, sort of challenged me on it and said, but how do I know what they're doing? It's like, "Um, what? (laughs) And it was a long time since I'd heard that kind of opinion expressed. And I thought, okay, that's that's really interesting. Well, Is the work being achieved? Are you achieving your objectives? Are things happening? Is your company making money? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, in that case, it's all good. Why do you need to sit over like an overlord? Um, You know, this is no longer, um, you know, sort of a a cotton factory (laughs) or a cotton mill in the 19th century. This is a little bit strange. And I think some of that is about fear. And there's a huge fear on well, what does this mean? Does it mean I lose control? And I think there's a huge amount of work that could be done. And I think um, HR teams, learning development teams could really, really support line managers here, particularly line managers who are getting, who are going to have the brunt of this um, information to, to kind of deal with, to understand where, what is that fear? What are you actually afraid of? Have those fears, are they justified? And work through, do that work, understand if those fears are justified. Because if you just have the, I'm afraid, therefore we react, that's what we're going to do. That feels incredibly 19th century. Mm. If you understand that you're, you have, you're, you're afraid of something, you're afraid that there's something that's going to happen because this is all new, this is all different, this is change and everyone collectively is going through it, then actually we need to do some work around where's that fear coming from? Is that fear founded? And how could you actually make that if it hasn't been working? Well, okay, fine. But if it has been working, what can actually moving to hybrid do for you? Is there an opportunity? Do you have a lot of extroverted thinkers? Do you need those people to be working together and therefore they would benefit from coming together? But maybe once a month, once a week. What do, and what does that actually look like? What is the work that you're trying to achieve? And how do you get there? And then if you do that collaboratively, you have your why as to what it is that you're going to to achieve. And I think we're jumping to communicate some stuff too fast at the moment because we haven't sat in the problem long enough Mm. to actually understand what it is, what we're trying to do, why is that that going on and how employees are going to feel at the end of it. I think those are such important points, Janet. And I'm seeing so many organisations are starting with the decision of how many days a week. And they haven't necessarily thought through why. They haven't really understood what is that going to do for our teams. And they're creating systems that will allow people to come in on random days, meaning that teams will never actually have a day together. 
And instead, we could be looking at, well, what do we actually want to achieve? Well, we want people to be able to have those water cooler moments. Great. What process do we want to put in place that facilitates that? How are we going to handle people having flexibility over choosing which days to come in and still make sure at least once a month there's a team day where people actually get to connect rather than just bringing their laptop in and doing the emails at work that they could have done from home? Yeah. And I think the other thing as well is that we know there are lots of companies who've been doing this for a while. Hmm. There are fully remote companies. Um, a friend of mine works for a startup that is fully remote. Um, they, I think they come in once a quarter, something like that, the way they used to. They used to connect for a team day and then and then everybody would be back out remote. KPMG, um, they're huge. They've been doing this for ages. Why is there no case study on what KPMG have been doing? Why are we not looking to them and saying, well, you guys have been making... Uh, two days a week um, out of the office. They actually forced people out of the office. They said, do not come in two days a week. We don't want you here. And that was about real estate and, you know, bum, you know, how many bums on seats do you want at a certain time? They've, but those teams have been making this work because, you know, when I last looked, KPMG were doing all right. Um, so what are they doing? How have they managed it? What have their line managers got? What support do they have? And I think where are those case studies where we can actually say, so people can't sort of think very simply that it's, oh, well, that's a startup. We're not a startup. We're not like that. We, we're, we're not, you know, 20 something and cool. That's got nothing to do with it. This is about the type of work that you do and understanding can that be done together or apart or hybrid or however. Um, but I think, yeah, that's that's been sort of really I, I've been really interested. There's been lots of jumping into a space. And I think you and I were talking about this earlier, Claire, there's sort of a this is brand new. Nobody's got the right answer yet. And there seems to be a land grab for what the right way to do this is. Yeah. And we don't know that yet. <laughs> and everybody seems to be a little bit nervous that there needs to be a right way and a wrong way. And actually, there's not. There's lots of different ways. And everyone's going to have a different way of being able to do this. This is an opportunity to rethink things that haven't been working. This is an opportunity to allow, you know, people who've been asking for flexible working for a huge amount of time and have been told, no, we can't do that to say, OK, well, we've made it work. We can do that. Mm. Um, but I think the land grab for the narrative has got to stop. I think um, absolutely right on that. And there's a great point come up in the comments and everybody who's with us live, do feel free to use the chat here. So I think the point about control and fear is so important. I believe some of it boils down to managerial skill set being based on physically ensuring the work is being done rather than adding value. Such yeah. a great point. And as you've just said, Janet, we've actually just done this for 15 months. And yes, for some companies it hasn't worked, but for so many it has and to suddenly tell staff that what they've moved heaven and earth to achieve over the last 15 months is somehow now invalid and they can't keep doing it isn't going to work. And something I'd like to cover next is one of the things in life is our values. What's important to us tends to be quite set unless we go through a big life change, like, say, becoming a parent or getting married or getting divorced. It can change our values, what's important to us as can going through a global pandemic and suddenly our entire sense of self and world turning upside down. What we've seen with so many people is suddenly they're realizing, I don't want four hours a day on a train. 
I don't want two hours a day in a car. I want to be able to see my kids when they get home from school. I want us to be able to have a family dinner. I want to be able to go to the gym and it's not five o'clock in the morning. People's values have changed and they're going to be voting with their feet to find organizations whose working patterns match with their values. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Janet. So it's really interesting. I read, uh, as I said, I've been doing a lot of reading and I read an article the other day that said, actually, within the pandemic, lots of people have been finding new jobs, but a lot of people haven't been moving job because they thought, oh, security, I've kind of got my thing. If they're not kicking me out and I'm not I've, I've not been made redundant, then let's just stay still for a bit. So actually, for quite a large number of people, there's a lot of pent up. This was I wanted to move. I couldn't move. Now's the time to move. Um, I've noticed in internal communications, there is a huge number of um, job opportunities at the moment, um, particularly in mid-level. I think um, there's a huge, huge number of companies that have sort of realised, oh, we do need internal communications. This really will help us. Um, whether they actually understand how that communicate internal communications is going to work is a different matter because there seems to be they seem to be all over sort of a little bit all over the place with sort of the the, the jobs that are being offered. But I do think if you've got that pent up group who wanted to leave anyway and suddenly they hit a pandemic, they're like, breaks have been put on. That's not good. Then you've got the people who, as you say, will suddenly be told, right, well, you need to come back in. Um, I have some um, friends who have been told you need to now come back to the office and they had to move country. And they are no longer in the country of their of their office. And when they've sort of said, look, well, we've been doing this, our job for 15 months, it's, we've been doing great, we're having, you know, we've delivered, we're doing everything that you want us to, and more. Um, they've been told, yeah, it doesn't matter, you need to physically be in this location. Um, and I hear things like, well, it's tax law. Well, tax law needs to catch up. <laughs> Don't just cite tax law. Um, if that person has been doing a really great job, and those the two particular people have left, have left their company, um, not because they wanted to, but because they had to. So I think there's suddenly going to be this workforce that becomes incredibly, um, instead of sort of sitting and going, right, we're staying still, we're not we're staying put, we're going to find a lot of people moving about and moving previously we've known people move for managers that's still going to happen because it might be my manager suddenly said I need to be in five days a week and I think that's a crock um or we might think uh, actually they don't want me in at all and actually I really need to be with people so I need to find somewhere that does that um I think there's going to be a huge amount of movement I really really do um I I, I think it's going to be really interesting to observe do I have any of the answers? No, but I think it's important to look, to observe, to listen and to, to analyse why are people doing what they're doing? Why are the movements being made? Um, and where are people migrating to? I think it's I don't think there's going to be one or the other. I think it's going to be really interesting to observe at least over the next 18 months. At least. Absolutely. I think there's going to be an awful lot for, for leaders who are watching this, either with us live or on the replay. There's going to be a lot of us needing to watch out because we're going to suddenly find that some of our key players are just going to leave and we'll be confused as to why. And there's a strong chance that whatever the decisions we've made on hybrid working will have influenced that. And as you said, Janet, it's not just people saying, well, hey, actually, 
I want to work from home four days a week because this is now important to me. There will be the people saying, no, I want to be in every day and I want to have the right to do that because I hate having to sit on my bed and have my dressing gown in the background on, <laughs> on live streams with clients. And one of the things that's really important, I know you and I have talked in the past, Janet, is that leaders' superpowers is going to, they're going to need to include understanding that there are so many diverse opinions on this. There is no right or wrong. There's no way to please everybody, but we need to try and find flexibility within ourselves and our organizations to allow everybody to now have the working experience that meets their needs and values. What are your thoughts on that one? I think it's huge. I think it's listening is an underrated skill. And I think in the beginning, there's going to need to be a lot of listening that happens. And what I can see happening is certain line managers who in that fear are jumping to the, I have to have the answer. Mm -hmm. Actually, the most valuable thing that you can do right now is listen and understand what, what is your team makeup? What are, what is the work that actually happens in your team? And this is, is about, you know, how does that work? take place? What is the thinking work? What is the creative work? What is the innovative work? But also what's the executional stuff? Um, how many meetings do you need? Have you had more meetings or fewer meetings? What does that actually look like? And actually take this as an opportunity to do a full reset. I think there's a huge opportunity to do that. But I'm really, I'm worried about line managers. I'll be really honest. I'm, I, my heart goes out to them. I think they've got a really tough job because, yeah, you can't please all of the people all of the time. But I think it's about figuring out what is the right thing to do. Are they is, is somebody who sort of says, I, I, I don't want to work in the way that you've you, you've all collaboratively decided. Can you look at ways to redeploy that person within your organization? Are there better suited um, roles for that person now? I think there's a lot. There's a huge opportunity here, but it's it's massive. It's absolutely messing. I can understand why HR teams are sort of kind of going, okay, let's have a connective sort of inhale and let's let's have a moment because this is going this this is going to be huge. Um, I think one point as well that is really interesting is how you're communicating this and how you're asking your line managers to communicate this. People will also start to leave companies based on how you your culture has been affected by these changes. Mm. And have you got a culture that has said says one thing but actually because of what's happening right now because it's a diff because it's new because it's different instead of being the culture that you aspire to be you've become a culture that you actually are and that's not what people have joined they've joined the aspirational version but they, they've not joined the actual version of what you are and does that mean that people are feeling less certain about where they want to be, less positive about the fact that they want to stay. I think there's, there's, it's really interesting, um, particularly this communication piece at the moment, how the knock-on effect that is going to have culturally, online managers, on the whole organisation. It's really, really fascinating at the moment. Absolutely. And building on what you said about the, the most important thing a manager can do right now is really listening. With that communication, we need to be finding ways to make it really clear to people that it's okay to speak up. You know, the example that you just gave of everybody in a team has collaboratively decided this is how the team's going to work. It takes an enormous amount of courage for that one person saying, actually, this doesn't work for me to speak up rather than either resent it or vote with their feet. So I think some of that communication is going to need to be about we are also here to listen. It doesn't mean we can pander to every need yeah. and that's going to be hard, 
but we're here to listen. And that builds to a question that we've got from the audience here on the live round of this session is how does the sense of fairness play out in a hybrid environment? You know, it's difficult to balance out flexible working for knowledge workers with frontline operational workers who don't have that flexibility option. From a, I mean, I'm not expecting you to have the magic wand for this, Janet, but from a communications point of view and a cultural point of view, what could organisations be doing or asking themselves on that? I think it's about clarity. And it's a great question, Christine. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think it's about being clear about what you are going to do, because if you're a, a frontline operational worker with no flexibility option, that should be clear from the start. So let's take a, an example of a retail employee. If you're working as a retail employee, you know that you can't do that job from anywhere other than that space. You have a choice to do that job or to choose to do another job. And so it's very clear, and I think it becomes very clear within, um, within the job role and the type of role where what the options are. There are some which are very, very obvious, like a retail employee. If you work at John Lewis, you have to be at John Lewis <laughs> if you are in, in you know, a, a, a store staff member. Um, if you are in John Lewis, but you are behind the scenes and you work in IT, then you might not need to be. And I think that's then about we, we start to um, to review roles based on what is the flexible option. And mm. some people have been doing that for years. Mm. Um, I know that there are certain websites that you um, pre pandemic, that would be where you would go. I want to work flexibly. I know that I have these um, out, uh, outside of, uh, of, of um, work obligations. Therefore, I will go, I use this website because this is where all the jobs that offer the options that I want and need for my life, that's where they all are. And I can go and find that. Um, this just means that that is now across, it, it just becomes bigger. And I think it's really interesting to see um, people advertising roles at the moment. I see some roles that are advertised and they say, they say yeah, remote, remote is absolutely fine. Others are very clear. No, you need to be in the office and you need to be in that specific geographic location. Mm. I think that sort of we, we've all talked about this before. It, it opens up. Well, if, if, if I could work for a company in the US. OK, well, it just means that my time zones are different. So am I OK with as long as I'm OK with doing that? Mm. Great. Um, so I think it's the fairness is about being clear about what that role is, where that role is what the opportunities are and uh it's about clarity and then it's and then it's the individual's choice if you if if, if you make it the individual's choice if you impose it on the individual and the individual can say but i've been doing my job really brilliantly and now you're imposing something on me that i don't want that's different mm. if somebody says i can actually make a choice and i choose to do that or i choose to leave well that's okay and as but you it's said earlier, about choice. Exactly. And as you said earlier, Janet, it's also about us having the flexibility inside ourselves to potentially ask to be redeployed. Yeah. You know, if we feel it's not fair and it's something that is important to us, that value has come to the fore, then we need to make that choice about, okay, I don't want to be there at the front line anymore. I want to be doing it differently. And one of the things that's heartened me is looking at traditional industries where um, there are people who've had to be in the office. You know, and the knowledge workers, as described in the question, 
where it's been the assumption that they couldn't do it from home, like, for example, in banks, people who are working on the trading floor. Traditionally, they've had to be in and they've been in throughout the pandemic. There are now international banks that have discovered we can actually pay for a license for them to have exactly the same software at home. That means they can do it there. They can do it securely. And it's having no negative impact whatsoever on the results that we're getting. So sometimes as an industry, we need to get away from that homogenized groupthink into looking at, well, okay, if this is really important to this group of people, this segment of our teams, what could we do to meet that need that doesn't negatively impact the organization? How could we be more flexible instead of just doing that stress-based, no, computer says no, yeah? And so to wrap up today, Janet, what I'd like to talk about is bringing cognitive diversity into the committees and the teams that are making these decisions. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And if anybody's got any final questions for Janet, please let me know by the chat and I'll bring them in at the end. I think it's absolutely essential, isn't it? I mean, it's... (laughs) If you have a group of people who are all the same, um, and by that, what, what I, just, I mean diverse as in diversity, they all look the same, but cognitively they are all the same because they all have the same challenges, issues, etc. Then you're not going to get anybody who will raise their hand and say, well, have you thought about what it's like for a working mother if there are no working mothers on the committee? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've seen this previously. We've seen this due, throughout the pandemic where um, things have happened and then suddenly someone's gone, well, did you think about this group of people? And they go, oh, no, we didn't think about that group of people. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask them because we didn't have anybody on the committee who was who was thinking about that group of people. And that group of people turns out to be women and just, you know, 51 percent of the population. Um, it's absolutely vital. And I think it's really interesting. I think there's something that we can learn from um, Germany. In Germany, they have uh, workers' councils. And a lot of people kind of go, workers' councils are really hard, really complicated. Uh, You know, it it stops everything. It makes everything go much more slowly. But actually, in previous lives, what we saw was when you work together with that uh, workers' council, and that workers' council represents all different types of of employee, and um, everybody votes on who those employees are that will then support them. So it's up to everybody to decide how they get their their cognitive diversity within that group that group then is talk it's the employee voice in the room and I think having the employee voice in the room is vital and it means that you don't get that group think that um, you know lots of either leaders who maybe all look and have similar outcome you know similar sort of family setup or similar sort of you know uh, are all of a similar age um or you don't have an HR team who are all uh who all sort of look similar you end up with a diverse group who think in diverse ways and who are thinking about this and if you don't have that cognitive diversity then you need to have some sort of question list to figure out are you thinking about all the different types of people in your organization and are the decisions that you're making, um, or, or are you asking the right questions before we even get to the decisions? Are you actually asking all of the right questions? Because if you just make decisions and you completely forget working mothers, mm-hmm. what percentage of your population have you just completely discounted? Mm. And coming back to the communication piece, when you communicate to them, well, you don't have their insight. You've not considered how they feel. So it's not, it's not going to land well and they are probably going to end up feeling gaslit. Mm-hmm. So you are going to go into that sort of negative cycle. So 
having the maximum amount of cognitive diversity, um, having the maximum amount of diversity mm. and making sure that all different types of your of audience are, you know, you get input from. And you're not going to be able to please all of them, but it's about considering it. And a lot of it times it's about perception. And as part of the communication, what you can do is you can talk about that process. If you've got a wonderful process where the employee voice has been in the room and you as an employee feel represented and feel like you've been hurt, you're like, okay, they did. They were talking to somebody that was, Mm -hmm. that has my sort of circumstances. So perception is you've then been heard. So you are less likely to feel gaslit. You can include that as part of your communication plan. We spoke to X number of employees. We spoke to a cross section who were, who covered this. You can give that information and people feel colleagues and employees feel confident that they have been represented as decisions are made. And it's about, yes, you want them to feel right, but you also want the perception of what is being done to feel right. Because it might be that you made all the right decisions and you did all the right things and you got all the right people in the room and your cognitive diversity was amazing. But if you don't communicate that well, perception might be that you didn't talk to me, you didn't bother with me, you didn't listen to me, I still feel gaslit. Mm-hmm. And I no longer belong in this organisation. Exactly. So you've got to do both. It's got to be what you do and then how you communicate that to make sure that the perception of what has been done is actually what has been done and what Absolutely. you want. Absolutely. That's brilliant, Janet. And everybody, I've got one last thing I'm going to say with say to Janet and ask her about. But while I'm doing that, I'd love to hear from those of you who are with us live via the chat. What is your big light bulb from today? What is the one thing that you're taking away from what Janet shares so far? So one of the things that's really important to people is feeling inspired right now because people are on their knees. We've got sessions in the conference on how to prevent burnout because people are exhausted. If somebody is a manager rather than an internal communications expert, Janet, and they've got to communicate a policy to their team, what would be the one piece of advice you'd like to wrap up with today to give that manager on how to communicate decisions or options in a way that inspires rather than scares people? Put yourself in their shoes. Okay. Be, be the employee. And from an empath, it's all about it's about empathy. If you go in and you're nervous and you just fire something at them and then you leave, how would you feel if your manager had done that to you? So I think a lot of it is about putting yourself in the employee's shoes. It, you should know your, if it's your, you're the line manager, hopefully you know your team, you know them really well, you've been really close to them. So you know how they're feeling at the moment. And that means that you can, with the standard communication that you pack that you may get, you can then dial certain things up and down depending on how your team will take it. But put yourself in their shoes. How are they going to be feeling? And then in that first instance, listen. Mm. And don't feel that you need to have the answers and if you if you, even if you don't want to answer at all just take take all that and say you know what I'm going to write down all of your questions and make sure that you are actively listening take those questions away and then come back what you don't something that kind of goes because you've got everybody in the room who are oh, what's going to happen oh and it's very emotional you need to take the emotion out mm. 
listen, allow people. To, and is there a, a survey where they could fill it in if they don't want to say something out loud? Allow people to be lots of different ways to be able to express what they're feeling. Mm. Um, and then reconvene to be able to respond. That's excellent. I would do it in I would do it like that. Um, and always, always put yourself in the shoes of the people who you are communicating to. That's brilliant, Jen. And I particularly love your advice about it's not for the line manager to have every answer. It's okay for them to say, I'll take away your questions and find that answer. Because often the answers that are given in the heat of that moment will then be the wrong choice, the wrong decision. So that's absolutely gold dust. Fantastic. So we've got lots of great food for thought, listening, consulting and empathy. Fantastic advice. Thank you for an excellent session. Allowing anonymous is a great idea. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Janet, and everybody who's joined us live. I hope that's inspired you today. And I'd love to hear from you as we wrap up your one thing you're going to do. What's your one action you're going to take as a result of this session? And Janet, if people want to connect with you, is it all right if we send them over to find you on LinkedIn or do you have a different way? Let's do LinkedIn. It's nice and easy. Brilliant. I'll make sure that your LinkedIn link is below the replay on this. Thank you, everybody, today. Thank you, Janet, so much for sharing your time and your wisdom and your inspiration. And I can't wait to hear what people are going to go and do with this stuff. So bless you. And thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you, everybody who's joined us live today. And we hope to see you again very soon. Take care. Thanks, Claire. See ya. Bye. Bye, everyone. Show notes, deep dive resources, and access to Claire's inspirational weekly soul-led leaders email is available for you at clareyosa.com forward slash soul-led leaders.